I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Podcast. I am Jason Lee, and Amy. Yes, is hello. Over there. Yes, yes. Uh, and on this episode, uh, Amy Donaldson and I will be speaking with Jenny Wilson. She is a current member of the Salt Lake County Council, and she is a candidate, the Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. And uh, you know, we've we've had a lot of enjoyable conversation offline, so I hope we can kind of have some of that translate into what we're doing now. But I uh, wanted to just kind of you know tell us about uh, Jenny Wilson, though. People here in Utah, I'm pretty familiar with you and, and, and the Wilson name in politics. Well, yeah, I'm a fifth-generation Utahn. Uh, in fact, my ancestry goes back to or- uh, Orson Pratt, who was in the Valley, even ahead of Brigham Young, uh, and was one of the first to settle the Valley. And um, many know my father, Ted Wilson, who was mayor of Salt Lake City. And that's sort of how I got into politics. Um, you know, I was taken to great places with my dad as his plus one. Uh-huh. His date as a kid. Yeah. My mom had other kids, and our fam- where we had other kids in the family, and so I got to go with dad to a lot of incredible places, learn about the community, and somehow it just sort of ended up leading to where we are today. Um, and my dad did run for the U.S. Senate once, so he's a wise guy, and he's my go-to guy when I get stuck, whether it's trying to make a tough decision, um, and I just really need somebody's wisdom to kind of help me land one way or the other, or just practical campaign advice. His is a little dated, so I tease him. I'm like, Dad, <laughs> wait a minute. We have this thing called the internet now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, is he big on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, he's, he, well, he is on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Vagabond Ted, which kind of speaks to his um, other side of his life, his mountaineering life. Yeah. and. Yeah. That kind of thing. Is anyone else in your family in politics? Um, yeah, I mean, sort of. Anybody? My sister um, didn't tell me and switched parties to Republican. Okay. Uh, and I was like, what? what? Wait a minute. We're a Democratic family. They're really good active LDS, you know, um, Democrats. I can give yeah. you a list, Missy. So we had a little bit of fun with that. But, um, you know, I'm like a lot of other Utah families, Democrats, Republicans, mm-hmm. independents, the in-laws, BYU, Utah, the Aggies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So in any event, my sister um, ended up becoming the chief of staff to Sean Reyes for a while. Mm-hmm. And she's no longer there. But she's so she's been involved. And then we have a couple artists, an attorney, an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, I love my brothers and sisters, and we're like any other Utah family, a little mix of everything and a lot of cousins Sean Ray- around. Sean Reyes, for those who may not know, is the, the state's attorney general. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and a Republican. And a, and a Republican. Good yeah. So, so we're, yeah. Tell we're us like, about your immediate family. Your... Oh, my immediate family. Um, my husband is actually born in Kansas City, okay. and he represents and his family represents people who moved to Utah for opportunity. His father was an architect and a very nationally recognized architect in 
I'm guessing it was the 70s when they packed the you know their station wagon he and his twin brother and parents came here and the family's all here all four of them are still in Utah Mm -hmm. my um, husband's twin is a filmmaker and I have great nieces and nephews and my in-laws are here and Mm -hmm. work in the community and you know they're great and my husband's an entrepreneur and I have two boys they're 16 and 13 and they keep me busy and um, they're amazing (laughs) I was gonna say how do you have time to run for office well, you know, I, I have to say, yeah, it, yeah. I've had a long life in politics, helping others. Be, you know, I served mm-hmm. in D.C. as a chief of staff. And back then I was single, so it was much easier. But, you know, there's an ebb and flow in work life. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of a sweet spot to be able to step up and, you know, put the time in, make this personal sacrifice. Mm-hmm. My kids are in a really great place. They're supportive. I don't drag them to things they don't want to go to because yeah. it's not always fun to be the kid of. Yeah. Um, being that as a child. It is fun at many, 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 many times. But, uh, you know, they do their own thing and we engage. And, you know, I carve out my schedule. Last night was three hours at back to school night. And I loved it. So what led you to decide to run for the Senate? You're already in politics. You already have your plate full with county business. Well, a couple things. Um, I felt... And I have felt for some time that we need more balance in government. Uh, I have great Republican colleagues. I work with them. We work across party lines on the Salt Lake County Council. But we don't have enough Democrats in the legislature. Mm -hmm. And I think we're missing that balance. And I will defend every day the actions of, you know, my friend, Democrat Angela Romero, who takes on the tough issues, domestic abuse Mm -hmm. and sex trafficking and um, the air quality action of a Patrice Aaron, a Democrat. So we need more Democrats. We'll have more open meetings. We'll have less closed creation of port authorities or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt like my voice mattered in the system. And it was important that we have a strong voice representing the Democratic Party who works across party lines. And I just decided to step up. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about it maybe when we come back. But my journey, I've, I've sort of evolved in my candidacy because I've been at this so long and what I stand for now that might have been a little different. Can I ask you one quick question? Because we, sure. we have about a minute, minute and a half. I um I wanted to get a feel for how important do you believe balance is in how government is run? I mean, you know, you, would you want a situation where it was primarily Democrat as, as opposed to how we have it now, is where it's Republican, or do you feel as though the balance is that important? I, I'm a person who believes in balance, and. I actually think if you look at Salt Lake County, where I work, five Republicans on the council, four Democrats. We have a Democratic mayor, a Democratic sheriff. We have a lot of independent electeds who run our our surveyor and our treasurer. Who you know. So we have that really great balance, and we're able – and we're actually forced to work together. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about party first. I think we need that in Congress. So I think it's important. And I – you know, I've never – I guess I have actually lived in a pretty republic or a pretty Democratic-dominated states. I lived in Oregon for a little bit working for a congressman and a Senate candidate. I, uh, my graduate degree is from Massachusetts where Romney's from. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a different system and I, yeah. I think balance is, is – it, it's where we need to be. We need to come together and, and land in the middle somewhere. We're going to uh, uh, finish this segment, then we're going to come back and talk about Jenny's priorities as she runs for Congress uh, as a Democrat here in the state of Utah. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast.
and welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we're speaking with U.S. Senate candidate and Salt Lake County council member. Is it, so is a council member or council woman, Jenny? I just use member because okay. it's sort of that gender neutral. Some right. people say women, some say con- con- you know councilman, I council member. So th- I go with member just because it's gender neutral. Jenny Wilson, and uh, so we we when we uh, got to know you a little bit in the first segment. Hoping to chat with you a little bit about today uh, uh, in this segment regarding what your priorities are, particularly if you become uh, a senator. What what would you feel as though that uh, the the top issues that you'd like to uh, look at? Well, I want to point out that um, Congress, whether it's the House or the Senate, uh, sort of has to deal with the issue of the day. When you get closer to a budget cycle, you're maybe more involved, if you're in the House, the budget process. Or perhaps right now we're talking about a Supreme Court nominee and we're going through those hearings. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to go in well prepared to cover um, any issue. And I think because I've worked at the local level, I have a great platform. I've also been a member of Congress's staff, senior staff member. So I sort of get the hill and, and will be, I think, very well equipped to take on whatever issue. But there are three areas that I want to focus on based on my interest, what I've heard in the community, and I think some um, more focused expertise based on my background. One is reform. I reformed county council matters, passing a gift ban, passing ethics reform, and passing campaign finance limits. Mm -hmm. And if we don't put a lid on the out-of-control influence, we're not going to come out ahead. And we Mm -hmm. talked offline about... Uh, senators coming together and having dinner together. I want to reach across the aisle and do that because mm-hmm. I think if we don't form relationships and learn, as I have with my eight colleagues, to come up with consensus-driven policy, we're not going to go anywhere. So it's let's get the money out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's come together. Let's reform. Let's stop the partisanship. And I think there's some practical things we can do with that. One thing, I, one question I have on that uh, reaching across the aisle, or which I hate that term, but um, that cliche, but um, as a Democrat in Utah, do you think it gives you some special insight? Or I mean, is it an advantage? Is it not an? Is it a disadvantage? To have been a minority in a in a Republican majority state, and still try to get things done, still try to figure out how to get policy. Um. Well, I think we're going to see change in this Congress. I mean, we've seen a Doug Jones elected as a Democrat in a very Republican district. As we're hard gonna... as that was, by the way, that yeah. still frightens me a little. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, so we're going to see, but I think we're going to see some change in this Congress. First of all, so mm-hmm. I, I hope that the bets are. I mean, I hope that we're still not so divided that mm-hmm. we will see this new generation of people coming in and I, I'm a part of that and yeah. we can rally together. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. But I will say that um, I think it's critical that Utah have a Democrat back in the delegation. Uh, my influencers have been my boss from the 90s who I worked for, a Democrat, Bill Orton. Mm-hmm. He was a blue dog Democrat. Um, Jim Matheson, who was there as well. And um, Doug Wright from KSL actually said to me the other day, you know, I appreciated the days I could pick up the phone and call a Democrat. And we are missing an opportunity to speak to the other side of the aisle mm-hmm. if we have a six-member Republican delegation. And we've seen uh, that happen on things like the need for in rural Utah to get a higher payment to uh, those counties for the federal land within those county boundaries. It was actually a Democrat, Ron Wyden of Oregon, who also has a lot of federal land in his state, who led the path to reinstate the money that Trump had carved out of the budget. Mm -hmm. 
So that's just one example of where a Democrat talking to the other side of the aisle is going to be incredibly useful for our state. What are you hearing from people when you go around talking to people or when you have meetings with voters that they're really most concerned about? Well, you know, we might somebody might say, I'm with Trump, where are you? Somebody might say, what about um air quality or what have you. And so we'll have sort of different Mm -hmm. conversations door to door as I go out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I always hear is Washington is broken. It's divided. And why can't they get along? Mm -hmm. And that's it's it's a problem. We know that. Yeah. So what's your solution? I mean, would you go and have uh, regular lunches with President Trump? Uh, I would go have lunch or uh, with President Trump, yeah. and uh, of course, and discuss policy. And discuss policy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm not. I came out the other day as saying if we, if the um, Mueller investigation comes out with impeachable offenses, I will be um, supportive of a process to move towards that because I think this president has divided us far, far. The division is so far that we can't come back. Mm -hmm. And I don't – I mean, it's a lack of respect. It's meddling in things. Uh, It's it's stepping in and destroying pre-existing relationships like through our NATO allies that will take us a very long time to recover. Air quality. I held a press conference today. We're taking dramatic steps back under this administration when we have invested and fought in this community to improve our air. But I do. So, yes, I will. But I really believe that um, finding the people that are willing to work together. There are those proposals out there, Democrats to the to Republicans. The committee chairs are what stops them from moving forward. And we can demand change both within the institution me being a new member representing Utah, and and our citizens need to continue demanding it as well. You got about a minute, uh, a little more than a minute, about a minute and a half. Uh, I want to ask you about. You mentioned uh, to us offline, healthcare is kind of an issue for you too. What what do you where do you see that? Especially since, as you described, uh, a lot of what is happening now is kind of rolling back some of ACA, and so how how do we address that going forward, potentially? Well, I I go back to the day where John McCain voted no. And that, to me, was an act of courage. And I think that to absolutely – I mean, the, our local um, providers from Intermountain Healthcare to the University of Utah Network had, had adapted. Our insurers had adapted to the ACA. And then that – we would have been uh, – we would have lost lives if that uh, repeal had taken place with no replacement. I do think there's things we can fix within the Affordable Care Act. We know that costs continue to rise. They rose before the ACA, so I don't Mm -hmm. think that is the sole reason. But we need to look at a broader insurance pool. There were bipartisan proposals to do that that were never considered. But I, um, I think if you if you're looking at sort of effects in Utah and the importance of the ACA, wait. ACA, we've expanded more people on coverage, which is a good thing. Additionally, we have now young people stay on their parents' health insurance for longer. Mm -hmm. And we're a unique community in that we have a lot of missionaries. People come home. They're in college. It takes them a little longer sometimes to finish. And to have that safety net is so critical to our families. And then additionally, the pre-existing condition coverage where an illness doesn't prevent one from getting insurance when they move on to a different plan. So I think there's so many good things about it, and uh, we can continue to reform health care, and we should. I want to continue our discussion in the next segment. Uh, we're speaking with Jenny Wilson. She is uh, running for U.S. Senate here as a Democrat in the state of Utah, and you are listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. 
Welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. I'm Amy Donaldson, alongside Jason Lee. We are having a candidate conversation with Jenny Wilson, who's running for the U.S. Senate as a Democrat. Uh, I'm going to ask you about my um, sort of pet issue, something I've really... It's, it's driving me insane, actually. I think that, that this is how I might lose my mind in this immigration discussion. Um, but first, I'd, like to, I'd love to talk about immigration, and I think it's, uh, Utah has come up with some unique solutions through our state uh, legislature, um, but they've always fallen flat or n- never been able to be carried out to their full potential because they haven't had federal support or federal permission. So what are your thoughts on immigration, and first of all, on DACA? What's the, how would you address DACA, first off? Well, right now we're under court protections for DACA mm-hmm. um, uh, individuals who yeah. came here not by their choice with a family member, um, a parent, mm-hmm. and um, here they the are. Age, under the age of 16, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we are those, for the time being, because of court order, not because of the Trump administration, these people are allowed to stay. And I think we have in Utah um, recognized the um, – the sensitivity to that issue, we wouldn't want to tear apart a family for, by taking somebody across but the border. But doesn't it make you nervous that we're under court order? Cause oh, Because to yes. me, all that does is mean get your stuff together yes. before the court. Because I felt this way about marriage equality. Like, why are we litigating something like this? Why isn't this something that our lawmakers would take up? Because for whatever reason, decades ago and then time forward, we have not been able to pass comprehensive reform. Mm -hmm. And my position is we need to get to that comprehensive reform, but we need it to be family-centered and we need it to be compassionate. Mm -hmm. So when you hear this term chain migration, what that means is that a family member is coming in to make the family whole. Mm -hmm. And that's a principle that a lot of Utahns, regardless of their religion, really, really adhere to. The family should be together. So I'd have their aunt babysit them or their grandmother take care of them. You know, so why would you not want that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I so fear what is actually happening. And it's heartbreaking when, um, you know, we have and, and, you know, people working as employees of our of ICE, that's their job to do it. But they are now, by law, you know, enforcing policies that were not enforced previously and going in and families are being torn apart. We're leaving children without a safety net. We're leaving, um, you know, an ill parent without a child. I mean, there's all sorts of devastating effects to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm the first to say, you know, do I like that we didn't have the measures in place to prevent people from moving across the border? Sure. Mm -hmm. But but we also have to remember that um, people flee trouble, whether it's domestic violence in another country, um, no economic opportunity, or warfare mm-hmm. and really, really hostile conditions. Mm-hmm. So there's things that can be done to stabilize our, our partnerships with other countries. We can secure the border going forward. But the reality is we can't ignore the fact that people are here. And it's not a high percentage of our population. I think that's a, a misnomer. Um, you know, we have, I think, 400,000 people here who are immigrants, some here illegally, some illegally. We have many more families that are immigrants impacted by somebody who's come here. And um, people are in the communities working. Yeah. And there's sometimes workarounds that aren't helping anybody. Let's get people to step up, be able to register. If we find a hardened felon, then no, they should be put behind bars, whether it's here or they go back. And I favor that. And I favor border security. And I'm willing to invest in that. And I'm on board mm-hmm. saying, look, we have to do some things. But the the worst thing we can do is leave a family more fragile by having, you know, ICE come in, take a family, break it apart. And then 
who's going to pick up the pieces? Mm-hmm. It's not compassionate to do it that way. So I will fight well, it's not for practical comp- either because you're practical. Saying, when you when you shatter a family, then then the government does have to do more. It does That's cost right. more. They're less. Um, like you said, resilient. They're less able to to come and be productive and and be the cornerstone. If the if the family's the cornerstone of of the you know the society, then you're absolutely right. You're, and I actually think yeah. if we take a look at it from an economic perspective, we can expand mm-hmm. legal immigration. We don't need to be back in the you know the last time we made a modification to immigration. We've had our economy. Um, nationwide changed dramatically. And we know that people are needed in urban areas for workforces within manufacturing. We know Mm -hmm. that the agricultural industry, including the one in this state, Mm -hmm. is reliant upon migrant workers. Mm -hmm. And we live we we know that we have people living in the shadows in this community that should be able to come out of the shadows. And um there is no perfect solution around immigration, but I will always favor the one that's compassionate and that gets to the root of the matter. And I, I'm proud I'm a reformer, and th- this is an issue I'll go back and fight on for our state. Look, I'm, I'm into the uh, her pep, uh issue is immigration. Mine's kind of uh, gerrymandering, and I, shouldn't, I keep saying that it's uh, redistricting. That's the uh, the more appropriate way of saying it. Yeah, and it, you it, can say gerrymandering well, no, was to me. It, I did. Gerrymandering is what what yeah. happens. Yes, uh, yes. But, but the reason redistricting yes. is what it's what the process. Yeah. Is. So, uh, how do we resolve that? Because you know, as a senator, you you represent the entire state. However, if you are a member of the House of Representatives, you have these ridiculous looking uh, districts that can be miles and miles long. And I can't really uh, get you to ask this in a minute, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface my question, and then we'll come back and have you answer it. But the, the, the notion that we have to allow uh, parties to design these districts that are purposely meant to make it more difficult for the opposition to win, it, it, it seems to me, honestly, it seems anti-American, anti-democratic. And, I, and I'm surprised that we, we've gotten to this point. And it happens in states where, like, uh, if, if you're from the East, uh, Midwest, where I'm from, uh, a state where the, a lot of Democrats, like Illinois, they're, they're doing it there, too. And right. so that doesn't make it right, necessarily. But I, I, I want, when we come back, I would like for you to kind of address that circumstance, if you would. Absolutely. We are speaking with, uh, we're having a candidate conversation with uh, U.S. Senate candidate Jenny Wilson. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. I'm Amy Donaldson alongside Jason Lee, and we are talk- We are having a candidate conversation with Jenny Wilson, who is running for the U.S. Senate, uh, currently uh, helping run our Salt Lake County government uh, as a councilwoman. Um, you get to answer Jason's question first, and then we're going to get into a little rapid fire with you. But what are your thoughts on redistrict- redistricting? Well, I don't think that... Um Elected officials should choose their people. People (laughs) should choose their elected officials. And that's Mm -hmm. the problem. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is people with authority look at the boundaries and they say, wait a minute, this is – and because of uh, the advancements in – 
you know, sort of computational power in a computer or whatever, we can get oh. it down to the voter. It's what books you're buying, right. what TV shows you watch. Yeah, it's everything. So yeah. after the census, yeah. we always look at populations and the nation adjusts, you know, by population, how many districts or what have you. And we typically, we're going to be still at four congressional districts. And then we also have our downstream kind of state elected folks. Mm-hmm. And those people go in and say, this is how I want my district to look. And they carve people out and they make it a safer, easier district. So what that does is concentrates a political um, party within those districts. Well, we're a more heavily Republican state. So what they do is they carve all the Democrats out into one district and say, you represent that and we're going to have an easier time over here. And I'm representing the worst of this situation, but that's pretty much what happens. So in any effect, you will have pretty liberal Democrats in those very few seats, Mm -hmm. and then you'll have some hardened Republicans in the others. Mm -hmm. So this idea of coming together and having a neighborhood well represented is a real issue. Additionally, the boundaries are crazy. There's a run coming up, I don't know exactly when it is, that Better Boundaries, the initiative is putting on, and they're going to run through like six different districts or something, (laughs) you know, in a 5K. That's ridiculous. Um, We've seen it where city boundaries are broken apart. Um, there's several congressional members representing one town. I mean, there's nothing about representation that makes sense. So well, it's so bad that sometimes I offer to give an elderly person in my neighborhood a ride, and they're in a different district, and they um, went to a different polling place. Yeah, so it's voter <laughs> suppression, they too. In the same neighborhood. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem nationwide. The courts are ruling on this, um, but it's taking some... Again, do we want the court to yeah. decide this? Right, Sometimes no. we do, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I Not think... Not me. I'm, yeah. I'm married to a lawyer. Well, it would I would be better. I would prefer that we have a, an actual functioning congressional process. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I see yeah, even on, right. you know, the Bears Ear suits and everything, mm-hmm. if we'd have a, a, a Congress mm-hmm. a, and a representative a representative from the Democrats yeah. who was sort of forcing a broader conversation, yeah. then maybe the monument was never declared. Yeah. We just don't have that. Yeah. Like one party rule and the manipulation of voters is not a good thing. It's yeah. just that simple. Yeah. And and we're not a monolith as a people. In, in right. Let's, um, let's, uh, Change, yeah, let's bit. get to know you a little better. Um, do you, have you had something in your life that you feel um, sort of was a transcendent um, experience or something that you've overcome some adversity in your life? Well, yes. And I think the most um, difficult challenge in my life was when my now 16-year-old was born with a heart defect. And we didn't know it. He started to wheeze and we kept taking him in and they couldn't figure it out. And we were moving into a new house. Was it the bad air here? What was it? And we learned pretty quickly um, as that he was going to need open heart surgery. And yeah, that's a transformational. And mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it's funny because it's not funny actually, but I connect with Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. his story of his sure. child. Mm-hmm. Um, very a, similar yeah. story where his child was um, at risk too for a heart disorder. And um, what my husband and I had was good insurance. We live very close to the regional center for excellent medicine, primary mm-hmm. children's. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I'm politically involved. Everything um, like was Jimmy lined Kimmel, up. You had all we had it all. And I can tell you, I looked in the eyes of the parents who didn't have those benefits. There was a woman in the bed next to my son in, I, in the ICU who I got to know because you can't do anything in the ICU. Mm-hmm. You sit around and you watch and you fear and you pray and you cry. 
So, and I'm going to. And you talked to other parents. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I talked to this woman, and she was taking the bus, transferring two or three times from Utah County, walking. She would get up there every day, stay with her child, and then reverse to go home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Ronald McDonald House is an institution we need to st- support in this community. We need to fight for good health care. We need to make sure that this woman um, has a child who makes it. And not just because she has privilege like we had and resources and my husband had a job with insurance. And um, so th- that is what it has led to my activism. Not that one incident, but just recognizing how tough it is for some people. And I think everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I talked about earlier this journey that I've been on and the stories that you hear when you engage and you listen. And it's one thing to go down to Moa with your bike or your hiking yeah. shoes or your friends and you yeah. gas up and you get in your car. It's another thing to go down there and talk to people. And, you know, I've had people say to me, I, a woman literally said, I worked five jobs at one point in my career here because the tourism dollar unless it's you know really higher end and there are some but most of the jobs aren't well poverty wages let's just be honest yeah, they're poverty, they're poverty wages, wages. Yeah. and so people are just working to make it i've worked diligently uh creating a task force on the opioid crisis I could do an hour podcast with you sometime on where I and how we're to. changing yeah. And we're stabilizing in our community because of the work, and not just mine, but community members, um, our our actual pharmaceutical companies. Are, there's there are local um, folks that are stepping up, and we're changing things. But it's How still killing people. How has evolved your candidacy? I mean, you told us why you got into it, yeah. but has it changed? It's it's what I think. I really feel empowered to be the voice of everybody in this community that needs a helping hand. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the poorest among us. It's it's working people. It's people who have who don't understand that they're not it's not their fault that their child died of a heroin overdose, mm-hmm. including somebody in my extended family. Mm-hmm. Like we have to have government connect with our basic needs, mm-hmm. have a heart, be compassionate and mm-hmm. We don't see that all the time. What we see in the state quite often is some blue suits saying the same thing. And I respect the people I work with across the aisle. I enjoy every conversation I've had from the governor on down. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of the same in this state. And mm-hmm. I think we have kind of forgotten that um, a good economy doesn't mean everybody's moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very true because there are some people who have not shared in that economy, which is part of the reason why we had the situation we have now. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that's a tough one. I worked for Robert Redford, so like I, you well, know, like I, it's as goofy as like the Electric Horsemen are out of Africa. I, I mean, I don't. Then it has to be the natural, the sting. Maybe. The sting. Well, I'm not the natural. Not, I don't know. Movies are made so differently now. Um, yeah, or, or, and so we'll just say a or, Robert or, Redford uh, movie. Uh, Avengers: Civil War. <laughs> oh yeah, not so much. Yeah. No, I, those are the movies I go to with my kids now. Yeah. Any any movie I can go to with my kids that. Um, I don't have to like go like this to their ears yeah. or, you know, just ha- to have that family time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you have a motto or mantra that you uh, sort of abide by? Okay. And now I'm going to give you a sports analogy. Sweet. Um, Wayne Gres- Gretzky, you miss every shot you don't take. It was actually 99%. It was 99%. Oh, was yeah, it? Okay. Miss, well, now I'm yeah. plagiarizing. Oh, I'm not plagiarizing. I'm just misquoting. You, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So, yeah. so it's not just this. I've done some cool things in my life because I've been willing to take a risk. And Sweet. I think that's important and for I everyone. Good guy to pick. As a native Alaskan, you couldn't pick a better guy. Okay. Well, maybe you can come back on and give us the quote. Right. from Alaska. No, but we... 
hockey is our oh, sport. Okay. <laughs> we're like, we thought we were part of I'm Canada. I'm like, he's Canadian. I know, but he's, you know. Right. Next, next door. Was, yeah. And uh, last thing, uh, what, you have a uh, favorite. No, no. Who was your mentor? Yeah. Is, is it, was it your dad or somebody else? Well, my mentor in politics, I guess it's my dad. But, you know, Bill Orton was such a great mentor to me, understanding Congress, being, I mean, he, this was a principled guy. And he wasn't going to let the party tell him what to do. He had strength. He was committed to reducing our deficit and debt, which is important. So Bill, I think, probably had the biggest impact on my politics. And then I look at Eleanor Roosevelt and her heart and her role as a first lady and how much impact she had at a time in our nation that we desperately needed a voice like hers. So mm-hmm. there's a few. Um I, I'm inspired by people. met a woman the other day who started a, an organization called Girls on the Run who did it to empower young women because she had a, her own personal challenges. Mm-hmm. And she over here. She yeah. yeah. I love, you do, I, I've participated in Girls on the Run written yeah, about it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It, it ama- if you don't know, you should Google it. It's an amazing organization. Yeah. Yeah. They let you work out with the girls and then you get to run a 5K with a girl. It's yeah. amazing. And yeah. it's about empowerment of young women. Mm-hmm. So there's so many amazing people out there working every day. And mm-hmm. there there can't just be one because, you know, there's people doing things right now to mm-hmm. to change our community for the better. In about a minute, uh, why should people vote for you? Should vote for me because I know this state. I live in this state. I raise my kids in this state. And I've had that touch in Washington. I'm not going to be, you know, it's not new to me. I'm comfortable there. I've also gone to all the fun things. I had the chance in the 90s uh, to go to the White House, had the chance to, you know, interface with, um, you know, people there. I'm going and I'm running because we need a different voice. And I'm willing to make that personal sacrifice. I probably personally um, will be a little bit relieved if I if, if it goes the other way. Yeah. Because I think it's tough. I think it's a sacrifice. But I'm not doing it to advance my own career. I'm not doing this to get my name out there. I'm doing this because I sort of fell into a space somewhat by luck through my father and through my own community service and feel that I'm in a really good position to speak for that woman who worked five jobs. Mm -hmm. And the person I met um, who's struggling in Emory County because he's fearful his kids are going to have to leave that county as coal mines shut down. Um, You know, the mom or the parent who I've talked to, and it's it's, it's more than one, who's lost somebody to the opioid crisis. And we have to get back to change Washington. We need to get back to people who are from our communities, who get it, who will be there to work for us. Jenny Wilson, candidate for U.S. Senate as a Democrat here in Utah. Thank you very much for joining us. So I want to say thank you again for joining us and join us again for the next episode of the Voices of Reason podcast. If you have any comments about our show, please email us at vormed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail. Or you can find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. And you can check our Facebook page out. And you can subscribe to episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and any other place where you might find interesting podcasts. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. <laughs>